David Spada is a successful attorney whose dream was to become a sports talk show host. Elliot Harris is a Chicago sports columnist who wanted to expand his media presence. In the next hour, they combine their talents and love of sports and women by interviewing former professional athletes and lovely ladies on sports and torts. But keeping the boys out of trouble isn't always easy because when David and Elliot are together, they have more fun than should be legal. Elliot, we're going green today. Environmentally Politically correct, all that good stuff. Exactly. We're having a recycled show. Wait a second. No, it's a fresh show, but we have. With two... you on it, it has to be fresh, right? Exactly. We have two of the greatest players in NFL history coming on today. We have one on hold right now, a gentleman who was the number 13th ranked player in NFL history according to NFL.com, a 10-time Pro Bowler, four-time Super Bowl champ, a Hall of Famer. I'm going to say it: the greatest defensive lineman in NFL history, Joe Green. How you doing, Mr. Green? I'm fine, sir. How about you today? Good. Great. I remember you most from that famous Super Bowl commercial back in the late 70s, early 80s with the Coke, Coca-Cola can, or bottle back then. I don't believe that. I know you were a football fan, and I know you were aware <laughs> that we had won two Super Bowls at that time. Oh, right? Exactly. But as a young kid, I was eight years old at the time. I'm thinking to myself, what a cool guy. He threw that kid a jersey for a Coke you bottle. Eight years old? Eight years old. Oh, my. He's a kid. Well, please accept my apologies. <laughs> I remember you as a football player. Okay. Coming out of North Texas State, Temple, Texas. That's you, right. You grew up. Yes, you, I did. And all of a sudden, you're in the National Football League. What was that adjustment like? Well, um, you know, I had, I had pretty good uh, coaching there at North Texas, and I, I was a big fan of, uh, of, of, of Deacon Jones. Uh, I wore, wore that number. And I was a big fan of uh, Bob Lilly at the Dallas Cowboys. And I watched those guys play, and um, I tried to emulate those guys. And, you know, uh, the defense that we were playing at North Texas allowed me a little bit of latitude, and I could, I could, I could do some of those things. And, you know, fortunate for me, when I uh, – uh, came to Pittsburgh, uh, we were doing some of the same things. So it wasn't that big of a transition in terms of the things that I was doing, but obviously the people I was playing against was a great deal of difference. How many sacks would you have in today's NFL game, would you think, with your speed and quickness? How many what now? How many sacks do you think you would have against today's offensive line with your speed and quickness? Uh, you know, to tell you the truth, I couldn't last. I'd probably, I'd probably get thrown out real early. Well, that's because you're 65 years old. How about back, how about back in your prime? Yeah, I, you know, I, I, I probably, uh, I probably couldn't play under the rules that the guys are playing under today. To tell you the truth, um, it, uh, you know, I, I know they're frustrated, and I would have a difficult time of, of containing my frustration. And I'm sure that um, I probably would have gotten gotten thrown out and gotten fined. Uh, more than myself, I'm sure. So I, I probably couldn't have played in these days. But, you know, um, uh, sacks for an interior lineman are, are, are very, very hard to come by. And, you know, the guys that got those sacks as, you know, like Warren Sapp in today's ball game, I, 
I, I admired him because he, he was uh, the top of the list there in, in terms of interior linemen getting sacks. Uh, I probably would be way down the line somewhere. Uh, you know, uh, my main goal was to win. It wasn't about sacks, to tell you the truth. Now, if, we, if, if the sacks were part of winning, uh, then so be it. But if I got a sack, great. And uh, I, the only way you'd know I got a sack is you saw it. You definitely wouldn't see me dancing. So you're against all these celebrations they do now, like the sack dances and the leaps and all that? It's deplorable. You know, I just, it, you know, there were a time when I never, ever turned off a football game. I watched every football game I could see. Right now, I just, uh, it's a big turnoff for me. Um, I, I don't like it. Uh, the people that I, I, I really liked, I, I, I liked Barry Sanders because he didn't do that. And I really like uh, Troy, Troy Palomalo. You know, he, he plays the game and, you know, he's on television. You see his commercials. You see his his plays because he makes plays, and his plays speak for him. He doesn't have to do that that jiggy jiggy, as I call it, which is really, uh, in my view, and I think a lot of guys that play during my time, it's it's a turnoff. Well, what I don't understand is a guy will make a sack or a good play, and he'll celebrate, and his team's down twenty points. It it, <laughs> it boggles my mind. It's like okay. This is a team game. It's not an individual sport. We're not talking golf or tennis. We're talking football. I don't yeah, understand you know, that. Uh, to tell you the truth, I, I blame I blame the National Football League because you know they'll spend a lot of time on on, on on paying attention to how these guys dress, the height of their socks, if they're having uh, any kind of lettering on it other than their advertising letters. But they let them do something that, to me, I think is detrimental to the game. It's not sport. The things that they do out on the football field in terms of celebration, individual celebration, the game is not about individual. It's about team. It always, always has been. And the greatest joy on a football team is when you can make a play to win the football game and the entire team shows their, uh, their excitement by uh, hugging one another and running across the field, and, and it's natural and it's spontaneous. And that's what that's what I that's what I like to see. And I think the fans like to see that too. You got to give the Steelers organization credit. I mean, look over the last forty years, they've had three coaches: Chuck Noll, Bill Collar, and now basically Mike uh, Tomlin. Noll. Mike Tomlin. Tomlin, right now, and you know what? They have stability, and they say this: the coaches are running the team. It's not about the players. The coaches have control, and we're going to stick by these coaches. I wish more organizations would do that. Well, I you know I. I uh... I, I couldn't agree uh, more. Uh, that's exactly why, you know, over the years the Steelers have been competitive uh, and have a chance to, uh, you know, they get in the playoffs and have a chance to, uh, to to go to the Super Bowl and win. And it's because of the stability, the, the stability, and it's because that, you know, the coaches run the football operation. Uh, the bosses up up top, Dan Rooney, um, uh, Art Rooney the third. And before them, obviously, uh, Art, Art Senior, you know, they, uh, they understand the hierarchy. They understand, uh, the chain of command and, and they, they hire people to do the job and, and let them do it. How are they able to find good people who then are able to find good players and then make a cohesive offense, defense, special teams? It, you know, in Chicago, we have our ups and downs, but Pittsburgh seems to 
maintain that high level. Is there something in in the water there? Well, you know, um, when, when when people have um, um, their own self interest, their egos get in the way. Someone wants to take control of the success that the team is having, and then when anything gets in the way of the team goals, then you have a problem. Um, and that's the, again, I, I say that's why the Steelers have had an opportunity each and every year to be competitive. And you know, I've been I've been working with the Steelers now uh, as a, as a scout for for seven years, and um, you know, Kevin Colbert uh, is is the director of football operations, and lately he's 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 been promoted, uh, but he is. He is, he is a very, very special guy. We have uh, seven or eight scouts. Everybody has their own input. Uh, no one gets uh, uh, lambasted for having an opinion. Everybody's opinion counts. And we know that the final decision is going to come uh, about by by him and, and, and you know, the head coach and, and the ownership. And they make those decisions, but it's... It, we, we collect the information and give it to them, and they make the decision. And that's the way it should be. And they've done a good job uh, over, over the years. And I, I, I'm, I'm just amazed, and I'm, I'm really amazed that I'm, I've been able to be there and be in such a good situation, you know, after I have been in some pretty poor ones over this, <laughs> at times. You played for Chuck Knoll, who goes down as one of the greatest coaches in history, won four Super Bowls, but... Another coach on that staff I've heard a lot of good things about was Raleigh Dodge. What kind of guy was he? Oh, Raleigh was uh, he was the offensive line coach uh, back in the, uh, the mid seventies, and Raleigh uh, Raleigh uh, got the offensive line uh, going, and he you know he was just a, a tremendous coach. He he, he had uh, he believed in technique. He believed in. Um, Developing those techniques, he believed in hard work. You know, uh, a lot of times you see those big guys kind of grazing, as we call it. <laughs> I always call it grazing because I was on the defensive line and I'm watching. This, that was my tease for the offensive lineman. But those guys, when Riley was was there, they didn't graze. They worked uh, harder than the defensive line, I would say. Uh, now, the first guy that was there that did a great job for us was... Uh, Oh, I can't think of his name right now. Uh, but uh, Riley came in and just and just just kept kept it going. Um, uh, we missed him when he left. He was one of the guys that uh, uh, incorporated uh, uh, the punch and the tight fitting uh, jerseys, and you know those guys drilled on that technique. And you know we had smaller offensive linemen that could move. They could. Uh, pass protect, and they could run. They could pull and get out and block on the screens, and they could trap. And uh, that was a, that was the Pittsburgh steal away. And Raleigh was a big, big, uh, big part of that. Now, on Sunday, was there anybody who gave you trouble that you went up against, and you say, "Okay, today's going to be a little more difficult than others"? Well, when we faced uh, Errol Campbell, when we faced. Uh, the Jews, uh, when we faced Dewitt Pruitt there in Cleveland, um, when we faced um, 
Stabler. You know, it was always those guys that could hurt you with the ball. Now, um, the offensive linemen, you know, uh, there are some great ones, no doubt about it. And some gave you more difficult times than the others. But, you know, in my mind, they were incidental. Man, I got my butt kicked a lot. But I still had, they were incidental because they couldn't score. You know, and my, my thought processes was to stop the people that could score. Running backs, and during my day they ran a lot, and the quarterbacks that threw the football. And if you get to the quarterback, usually, you know, the team is going to have a, more, have a difficult time. So that that was my charge. Um, you had some good running backs. I mean, you had to stop and practice in Rocky Blyer and Frankel Harris. Oh, yeah. They were good guys. And I, I want to go back to, you know, I'm, I'm sure that, some some kind of way, my good friend Larry Little is gonna hear what I said, <laughs> and, and, and he's gonna get angry with me. But Larry was Larry Little was an offensive guard for the Miami Dolphins during those days, and he was an outstanding player. And I did have I did have some struggles with him. So there, Larry, I said it. Okay, <laughs> you didn't mention Mercury Morris. You know he likes to talk. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, Mercury Mercury was a very very good player too. I mean, they had. You know, uh, during the seventies, um, especially the early and mid seventies, the Dolphins were—you know—they were a machine. They—they um, they didn't make mistakes. Uh, they had a very, very good offense. Very good offense with uh, with with Bob Greasy, uh, uh, you know, the quarterback. You know, he by the, by today's standards, he didn't—you know—he he didn't he didn't have the rifle arm, but he had great touch and great timing. Uh, had great leadership. Uh, he had just enough maneuverability in the pocket to to make you miss and and you know get the ball downfield. So they they had and they had an outstanding offensive line. They had three running backs with Zonka and Mercury and, and Jim Kick, and they had uh, that wide receiver Paul Warfield. So they, not too shabby. Not too shabby. They're a good football team. Right. But they'd ha- um, they'd have Greasy pass maybe fifteen or twenty times. If he was playing in today's game, they'd have him pass what thirty five, forty five times. Yeah, it's amazing how how much it has changed. And uh, it, you know, I, I being on the defensive side of the ball all of my uh, playing career and coaching career, I just I just learned to hate those guys on offense. Cause they would make us stay up late at night trying to figure out a way to stop them. And as soon as we figured out a way to stop them. They go to the rule books, they go to the commissioner, and they change the rules on us, and we got to start all over again. So you, I hated those guys. Hated you, them. Still do. You must have gave Dan Radekvich some, uh, basically some um, needling because he left the Steelers to go to the Rams as their offensive line coach, and then you guys beat him in the Super Bowl then. You got it. Radakovich, bad rad. <laughs> I didn't, uh, that was the guy that, that was our offensive line coach that came in, uh, before, Raleigh and Dan, Dan did a wonderful job. A wonderful job. What do you think of the Steelers' uh, defense now? I mean, they're number one in defense, but they only have one Pro Bowler. Well, um, the guys that uh, that had a shot at being the Pro Bowlers, uh, Woodley, he missed them. He missed uh, uh, a lot of time with a hamstring, and uh, James uh, Harrison. 
he missed some time with his eye, and then he got suspended. Uh, but those guys are pro Pro Bowl uh, caliber guys. But every year, you know, there are some guys, some tr- tremendous players out there, and and the guys I'm sure that uh, uh, that receive the honors, I'm sure that they deserved it. Now, the Steel Curtain is one of the great defenses of all time. In Chicago, people like to point to the 1985 Bears that won the Super Bowl, and Baltimore Ravens have uh, their defensive unit. How do you rank the Steel Curtain among the greatest of uh, defensive teams? You know, that's that's hard for me. Um, I, you know, I, I, I grew up watching uh, the fearsome foursome and um, – that group there in New York, uh, uh, the Doomsday Defense, and the Purple People Eaters, and um, everybody can, can anybody can lay claim to uh, you know a title, but you have to win it to to have it, you know. And uh, you know my argument for for my group is that uh, you know we won four Super Bowls. And when you start talking about defensive line, defensive lines, um, you'd have to talk about uh, the steel curtain. But you'll also have to talk about the fearsome force, and you also have to talk about the purple people leaders. You know, that just that's my take. And I, because I played, I know how difficult it is. I know what we go through. I would never, ever say that we were better than someone else if we didn't have an opportunity to play those guys. So I'm not going to, uh, to say that. Uh, I think it's me saying it would be a disservice to them, and I, I'm, I'm just I just haven't been that kind of kind of guy. I'll tell you what, your teammates, a lot of you were not only successful on the field, but after football. You look at Terry Bradshaw with broadcasting, Franco Harris with his business dealings, Lynn Swan running for governor, you being assistant coach and now in the scouting department. How did you become, guys become so successful? Is it just the work uh, ethic the Steelers taught you guys or the, your upbringing? Well, I, I think a lot of that is true. Um, you know, um, I coached uh, 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 with, with on Chuck Noll's staff back uh, in the, in the mid-80s, and I – what Chuck did and his and the scouting department did, what they what they wanted to have on their football team was first quality people. And and then they started from there. You know, they didn't always achieve that, but that was the goal. And I think that uh through having quality people, um, you know, I learned a lot. I learned a lot from, from Chuck. Uh he's he's uh you know, in my adult life, in terms of uh, someone that impacted my life, and uh, was that guy is Chuck. I mean, I've you know, in all of these years, I've I've, I've never met another guy that was as solid, as honest, and as sincere, and as smart as as as, as Chuck Noll. Now, do you have a favorite season for your Steelers? My favorite season is, golly. you got a lot to choose from there. Yes. Uh, 
You know, it, the, the, our first uh, our first Super Bowl season was very very rocky. Um, we lost to the Oakland Raiders uh, probably the second third ball game in at Three Rivers Stadium. Uh, they shut us out seventeen to nothing, I think. And um, we had uh, quarterback controversy with Joe Gillum and and Terry Bradshaw. Um, we got, uh, we lost a, a, a division game uh, to the Oilers in Pittsburgh late, probably the 12th game in a 14-game schedule. Um, and it was it was very rocky. And uh, we, we, we kind of got it together in the playoffs, and, and then we beat the Raiders out there for the AFC Championship game. So, <clears throat> I'm not saying, pardon me, that's not probably, that would be, that would be maybe the the best season because of the ups and downs we had and how we came through it. Now, um, there was one season, I think Super Bowl, uh, the next season, there was no doubt we were going. And then we had one in, in, in Super Bowl thirteen. we were just, we were just a team, we in no doubt, no doubt. Uh, that was a mystery in that first one, though, for sure. So that that would probably be my favorite team. And there's another one in Super in um, '76. We lost four of the first five ball games, and then we finished the season. Uh, undefeated, and we played seven ball games where we only gave up 28 points. Uh, that was a fantastic year, also. We, although we didn't, we didn't. Uh, it wasn't a championship year. We fell short, but it's it was a great year for I, me. And uh, so we had a lot of good years, uh, but probably my my favorite year season was uh, our '74 season. But when you talk about Super Bowls, uh, can't have. I don't have a favorite. Don't have a favorite. They were all good. I want to thank you so much for your time, Mr. Green. It was a pleasure talking to you. One last thing: Did that kid get to keep the jersey in the commercial? Or did you take it back? Well, I didn't take it back, and <laughs> uh, I think he kept it. Uh, you know, at that time, my equipment manager was kind of a stickler for for the equipment. He sent it up there, and uh, I'm not sure if the if the production group sent it back. Uh, but I didn't. I did not take the jersey. Matter of fact, I saw Tommy. His name is Tommy Ocon. I saw him about three years ago in Pittsburgh. We had a, a ceremony there uh, where we were get we were received our uh, Clio Award. It was uh, it was 30 years late, but uh, we enjoyed it so much. It was a good year. You're a great guy, and that nickname they gave you is not earned. You're, you should be nice, Mr. Green. Oh, that's when I'm sitting down. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for your time. It was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much. I appreciate talking with you. All righty. That was Joe Green, legendary Pittsburgh Steeler, defensive lineman. And when we come back, we're going to have on the author of Naked Fitness, Andrew Metcalf. Stay tuned.